Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, and Angel the Series one by one. We will, of course, discuss uh, details from previous episodes, but there will be no spoilers for future episodes. I'm Harrison, and just like Amy Adams thinks Tara thinks of Tara, I'm a selfish bitch. And I'm Jason, and I am profoundly stupid. (laughs) Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, I'm delighted to say that we are watching Buffy Season 5, Episode 6, Family. La Familia. This is the one where Tara's family sucks so much. Tara's Tara's family is so awful, they nearly get the Scooby gang killed. (laughs) And yeah, I'm going to blame them for this. <laughs> Even though it was Tara that yeah. like that yeah. threw the spell on there. Um, just uh, just terrible. But yeah, it's Tara's birthday. And uh, you, know, you know, no one can have a birthday in the Buffyverse uh, without <laughs> some chaos. That being said, though, this, uh, this ends on a nice note. It's so, so sweet. Yeah. Um, and Family, the episode Family, was written and directed by the show's creator and originally aired on... November the 7th in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. We're so close to 2001. Space Odyssey. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's very good. Hit it. Jason, why won't you tell our extremely attractive listeners what we're drinking this week well uh all you sexy people out there mm-hmm. harrison did pour us both some vodka cranberries mm-hmm. one of my faves vodka cran vodka cran um yeah so uh, i will lead us in a toast um we lost some greats recently oh yeah um uh, Betty White passed actually um, before we did our last yeah. episode, um, and Sydney Poitier, Bob Saget. and Bob Saget, and less sadly Robert Durst. Um, <laughs> but you know, not oh, we won't um, toast to him. There was like a oh who who was it? Ronnie Spector, who is the leader of the Ronettes. Oh, um, so if you ever heard the song song like uh, "Be My Baby," mm-hmm. um. She uh she passed away at seventy eight. When did that was it that, that that was that was an hour ago. Oh wow, the news okay. came out. So shit. All right. Well, here's to Betty. Here's to Sydney. Here's to Bob. And here's to Ronnie. Yep. Cheers. <sighs> Yum. The other day, uh, I got some cranberry juice from the store, but I wasn't paying attention. Because there was this old lady taking up all the room in the, like, right in the middle. Wouldn't get out of the way. Anyway. But I didn't realize until I got home that it was cranberry raspberry juice. It was... That's tasted pretty good. It was so fucking good. <laughs> like, I actually, like, tasted that. I was like, well, this is good, but... <laughs> all right. The episode starts with our favorite character in the series, I am, of course, referring to Miss Kitty Fantastico. Yeah, this this reminded me of... I feel like in every relationship that I've been in that has involved, like, uh, snuggling, I feel like they've all had this moment where 
your significant other looks and he's like, can you tell me a story? Mm-hmm. And it's all like cute and everything. And if you're like an outside observer, you're like, oh, barf. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I'm going to say? Because I think that's a great segue into a lot of my feelings on this episode. Mm-hmm. This episode walks right up to the line of being super corny and then occasionally steps over it. But it is all so sincere yeah. that I don't care. Like, yeah, no. And I also it all feels like, very earned. I also uh, have something to say just in in general about what is discussed in this episode. Well, maybe what what is not discussed in this episode. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that at the end of the episode. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is like... And I feel like a lot of couples can relate to this kind of moment. Oh, yeah. that this like mushy adorableness that... And especially that... Like, we're here for, for like both Willow and... Uh, it's so cute. And Tara. And it's also too... What's so like relatable is also that like... That like one one partner's like almost asleep mm-hmm. and is but he's still like trying to engage. So everything you're saying that's frequently me um, <laughs> is like just kind of nonsense or like or just like a I little... mean the majority of things that you say is nonsense. Uh, it's no it there is sense. You just have to you just need to find my Rosetta Stone. There's less sense than a piggy bank. <laughs> um, it makes sense if you understand that I'm always horny anyway um she tells the story about a little kitty um and i love the way this is framed before we even see them we just see miss kitty fantastico playing with some yarn it's so cute while we hear willow and tara talking and (laughs) tara's like this kitty was all sad and alone and lived on the streets and willow's just like i don't like this story Um, but you know, the, the, the whole sequence is, um, it's just very cute. And, uh, Tara is going to stay up a little later and continue reading, but Willow successfully convinces her otherwise. And Tara wants to stay up because, um, Mm -hmm. she's trying to, uh, like kind of research some more spells on Wikipedia. (laughs) <laughs> terrible or wikipedia whichever one you like i think well mm. wikipedia honestly if that's not a thing i'm gonna be really sad because <laughs> it's such a great it, setup it has the hard k sound which is nice but i think the n makes it a little clunkier than wikipedia 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 flows better but wikipedia still has that Hard K. So I guess whichever is uh, more important. Either way, you. let's let's say that Jason made a very clever joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she wants to look up more spells because one, she wants to catch up with Willow because, as she has said um, quite a bit lately, uh, Willow is so much stronger mm-hmm. and so much more powerful than Tara is, even though Tara's been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, a little bit more on the important side for this episode, Tara wants to like contribute to the gang That's because, so yeah, because she sometimes feels like maybe she doesn't contribute that much, and she is one of the newer members of the Scooby Gang. Yeah, and she feel, definitely feels like a bit of an outsider, which we've established earlier in the season with her, that scene with Dawn, and um, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But it does feel like maybe some of the Scooby Gang Scooby members aren't doing their best to 
And you know, not I, make her feel like an outsider. And you know, I I actually like that, especially that scene where Buffy and Xander are talking about like, oh, it's oh, we don't hella really relatable. Her. Yeah, no, I like it because you could have very easily had you could taken the easy way out, and you could have had like, oh, nobody knows a lot about Tara in season four. Okay, yeah, but then season five starts, and um, all of a sudden, like Tara's clicking well with the group or whatever like that, and. Um, it's like, oh, well, then I guess, like, this is, you could see, like, oh, this is clearly just something that happened. But they're actually kind of really getting down to it and saying, like, oh, she hasn't totally fit in yet. And, yeah, Buffy and Xander and the rest of the people aren't doing, like, too great of a job, as you said. Yeah. Um, and I like seeing that progression. Mm-hmm. I like seeing them not take the easy way out. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And it's it feels... It's one of those other things that just by the end of the episode, it feels so earned. Yeah. That um, uh, even when Willow's getting very stereotypical gifts, it still feels very sweet and like not, oh, we couldn't think of anything better to give you. Um, <laughs> Todd just comes up with that fucking broom. No, that, <laughs> I love it because so- that is like, that is totally something that Dawn would do. And it's adorable. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. And Tara's like, it has such a joyful reaction it, it, to it. And the way that it's done as well, because like, Giles like says, oh, can't get her a crystal ball. And he doesn't mention that he's getting her that. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then like Don just like pops in with the broom. It's so good. Love it. Um, Tara wonders if uh, Buffy found out anything. Uh, earlier in the evening, so we are still on the same night uh, of No Place Like Home. Willow's like, yeah, she probably would have called. <laughs> Cut to uh, a lot a, of good smash cuts in this. Really, episode. Kind of a lot of good smash cuts. Buffy and G- uh, Giles discussing what she learned. So she's confided in Giles. Um, but she specifically does not want to confide in anyone yeah. else. And you know, typically this is the sort of thing where I'd be like. God damn it. Like, talk to each other. No, I support this decision. I support this decision in this instance. I think Buffy's... I think Buffy's second reason is kind of redundant. You know, if they know, it'll just put them in danger. In my opinion, just being part of this group puts them in danger. (laughs) But it's her first decision, or her first reasoning, which is they will act weird around her. They will give up the goat immediately. And you know what? Yes, I believe these people will do exactly that. Also, I love them to death. But and also, it like it doesn't seem fair to Dawn. Oh no, that Anya. I mean, just just for a rant, that Anya and Xander would know that mm-hmm. uh, more about her existence than she does. Yeah. It doesn't feel fair to Joyce either. Yeah. I mean, this definitely feels like imp- like I'm glad that Buffy went to Giles. Yeah, no, and she glad- had to tell somebody, yeah. and Giles is makes the most sense. And honestly, this just feels like the good play because they still don't know a lot. All they know is that Dawn was created to, as a vessel to protect whatever this key thing is. And um, outside of just the plot stuff, we get a lot of really good um, beats of how Buffy is processing this emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just this, but just kind of her whole situation right now in regards to her family um because giles suggests sending dawn to live with her 
their father. Hank Summers drop. Yeah. Um, and Buffy's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, seriously, though, fuck that guy. We learned that he, uh, Buffy called him when Joyce started getting sick and he hasn't returned their calls. He's currently in Spain with his secretary, living the stereotype. Yeah. So, living the cliche. Living the cliche. Me. So, yeah, fuck Hank. Um, and this is a real pivot, I think, for the characterization of Hank. Seasons one and two, Hank was not there, but he seemed like he was, when he was around, he seemed like a pretty good dad. Season three starts this like absent Hank thing with uh, Helpless um, when he doesn't show up for, or he's not able to show up for, for Buffy's birthday party. Um, but that feels like it's more about Giles than it mm-hmm. is about Hank. It's like, that's really there to position Giles. This is where we've really gone into like, Hank is an absent father. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plausible deniability he had before is gone now. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. Buffy going to just Giles with this, I fully support. Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a great scene. Um, any, anything else before we move? Just um, just like, oh, we need to protect her. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. And... Uh, that becomes apparent because Buffy starts acting a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buffy, check yourself. <laughs> um, so uh, this is when we get the credits. Uh, when we return from the credits, they are moving Buffy out of her dorm, much to uh, Anya's chagrin, mm-hmm. uh, because they just moved her in. And uh, Buffy's reason, she cites, is that... Uh, Joyce With, has been sick. Joyce has been sick, which I do think is legitimate. I think that yeah. is part of it. But I think the main reason is she wants to make sure she's close to Dawn mm-hmm. at all times. Um, this is a fun scene. I think we... This scene does a good job of connecting the Buffy and Dawn stuff, the tissue of that, to the tissue of the Tara stuff in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because... It is important to note Tara's not here because Willow does eventually bring up the uh, the surprise party. She's there at first. Oh, she okay. She she makes that insect reflection oh my God, joke. I can't believe I forgot about which that. which I I don't know what that I like I and I've I've looked it up before and I do think it like it is a whatever she's explaining to Anya at the end of like being part of the karmic cycle. But I mean, I think Anya is right. It's not very funny. But yeah, and. Uh... And I love that she's like, oh, you know, you get that if you'd read this and this and you were a total dork. And Riley justifies his presence in this episode by saying, well, then why didn't Xander laugh at it? Yeah. Don't worry, listeners. <laughs> Riley's going to fuck up a lot later. Yeah. They, they, oh. they, I'm actually a little surprised at the bro bonding that, uh, this happening between Xander and Riley. Their so, little wrestling match. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's just it's not something you see because there normally aren't too many male characters in the Buffy in in Buffy sphere that like each other. That's true. Um, everyone likes Oz. Yeah, but Oz isn't the kind of guy to like wrestle with Xander. No, that's true. Well, full moon he would be. Well, yeah, but, but that, that's not wrestling. That's eating. That is a uh, eaten, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tara leaves embarrassed, and uh, uh, that's when Willow comes in and is like, don't forget about Tara's birthday. Um, which... Also, um, to uh, emphasize the uh, the strange behavior that Buffy's having, 
Um, Dawn, like, leaves the room for a second, and she's like, where's, where's Dawn? Dawn? Where's Dawn? <laughs> Walt! <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, I love when Dawn comes back, and she's like, some of your CDs are my CDs. Yeah. Which is, we both have siblings. We, uh, <laughs> we know that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's Tara's birthday, um, which... Her uh, 20th I looked, birthday. Her 20th like. birthday, yeah. I looked this up uh, because I knew it was established, not in this episode, but a later episode does establish when her birthday actually is. Um, it is God damn it. I, it's October 16th, I think. I literally looked it up so that I would remember. And uh, yes, her birthday is October 16th, uh, 1980. Alright. Um, so that just, you know, helps us place the episode mm-hmm. in, in, in time. Um I wonder what Amber Benson's birthday is. Ooh, great question. Um I would say probably a few years before that, but not I wouldn't say I'm looking up right now. Too many. January eighth, nineteen seventy seven. Okay. It's just a couple years older than Tara. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not as egregious as uh charisma. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh hey, we also get a Cordy name drop in this episode. We do. One, of, one of my favorite like post season three Cordy name drops. It's a great one. Um. <laughs> so let's go to the hospital in a scene that in almost any other episode would have been my gay agenda, but yeah, because uh, uh, because we could see a lot more Ben Turn. Oh my goodness, uh, Ben Turn goes into a locker room. And he's at a locker, and he takes off his his scrubs tops, and because he don't want no scrubs, he I don't want no scrubs, um, and he damn, damn, yeah, no, guys, fit as hell, yeah. And then the camera starts to pan away, and get a jelly as he as he's taking his pants off, which damn, (laughs) yeah, and it was a very slow pan too. And uh, we get a uh, we get a demon like a kind of a nasty looking demon. I can't remember what these guys are called. They're the Layok demons. The Layok demons. Yeah. And uh, and it looks like uh, that Layok demon is heading right for uh, Ben Turn. And he's but, like, <laughs> but he instead is grabbed from behind by the beast. Yes. I was I was like, is he, what's he gonna say? What's he gonna say? By the beast. Yeah. And she's like. I need a favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, earlier in the episode we did see uh, we right. did see the beast crawl out of the rubble, and she's like, "Well, now I'm mad." <laughs> <laughs> oh, love her. Um, at uh, uh, at the beast's lair, uh, where she's not wearing red this week. She wears like um. It's like a green, but like a grayish green. Doesn't matter. She rocks yeah, it. She looks fantastic. <laughs> Claire Kramer oh. just wears the shit out of everything. Oh my gosh. And she's like, tell me who I fought to this Layak demon. And he's like, she's blonde. She's like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like. <laughs> and she's like, I fought a vampire slayer. How common. <laughs> and she's like embarrassed. She's like, she's probably telling everybody. <laughs> and this is actually a really brilliant um, thing to establish this early on in this character's arc. It establishes who, her power level. It establishes her power level, but it also esta- gives like a reason of why this woman who Buffy 
survived on sheer luck the last time. This woman could kill Buffy in a second, uh, I think was what has been established. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't she? It's beneath her. Like, like <laughs> literally, like, that's her perspective of it. And she doesn't even go after her. Yeah. She sends these Layok demons yeah. after her. So it's, um, it's a good, um, it's fun. It's good characterization. But it also is just like a good narrative shorthand for being like, why doesn't the beast just show up at Bubby's house and rip her head off? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, she's, she goes on a little rant about how she's like when i walk into a room it's it's galadriel's monologue from uh, <laughs> she's like my name is a holy name instead of a dark lord you shall have a queen <laughs> um that scene made me gay laura dern's uh jean shorts in jurassic park dark galadriel all building blocks in my queerness interesting how like it's the female characters that have turned you gay. Mm-hmm. Listen, we're going to talk about this a little more when we get to the gay agenda. Fair enough. Because I, as I mentioned before we started, you're, you're going to be like, when I say it, you're going to be like, wait a minute, out of all these other obviously gay things going on, this is what you chose? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the gang is re- researching the abomination at the Magic Box. Her name is on the wiki. I was like, ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, they they don't have enough really to go on. They've got a huge yeah. Pile Giles of books. has not narrowed it down at all. All he has is her appearance. He's like, well, what did she? What did she act like? And Buffy just said she acted like Cordelia. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Xander and Buffy are set to research by Giles, uh, which they do not do. Because uh, Xander had said earlier that um, he had told Anya that he had something picked out for Tara's birthday, which was a lie. You goddamn liar. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Buffy is like, oh, what'd you get her? He's like, well, I uh, haven't gotten her anything. She's like, well, yeah, we don't know what she likes. And and I love that uh, Giles is listening to them, and uh, he says... You're sitting in a magic shop, and you don't know what to buy a witch. I think you're both profoundly stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. I love, and we already kind of touched on this, so we won't dwell on it, but just, like, that relatability of them, like, hedging everything they say about Tara with, but she's really nice. But that's, like, really all they know about her. Well, yeah, because she, it's not somebody that they became friends with. It's somebody that they're friend is dating yeah and And unlike anya tara doesn't force her way into things yeah um because tara's kind of the exact opposite of anya i mean you've got timid versus anya (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah it's like the scale of assertiveness is tara to anya um although i think tara but especially by the end of this episode has moved up the scale a bit Mm -hmm. um just then, a heads up, she'll never be Anya because nobody in this, no. nobody in this series is ever Anya except for maybe the Beast. I, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna touch on it now, but we don't need to dwell on it because I think it's something we just should touch upon every time it comes up and then have a longer discussion about it at the end. Um, but this 
uh, what's the crowd going to be like? Oh, well, they're all, all going to be a bunch of their Wiccan friends. Gay friends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I do have to say that this... Obviously, the implication is that this is about this is about lesbians. But given how paint by numbers the awful people in Tara's family are it could honestly be for any bad situation at home it could be about abuse it could be about like not wanting to be a part of your religion it could be uh just about anything oh yeah um so yeah you can honestly just copy and paste your uh (laughs) whatever copy and paste your childhood trauma into this and it'll probably ring home Mm mm-hmm so um yes they are profoundly stupid um i do like i really like xander's line of the only thing i know she likes is willow and she already has one of those <laughs> uh pretty good I, I feel like this was a pretty good xander episode overall um yeah there wasn't really anything to detract from xander yeah. being in it like or detra- he, detract from like what he does in it he doesn't do anything aggressively shitty um, or really shitty at all that I can think of. And he does have one moment near the end that we'll talk about when we get there that I really liked. I was like, good job, Sander. Yeah. Um, um, I, as we progress through the series, we're going to get a lot, lot less shitty towards Sander. Yeah. Um, except for those special moments when he rises to the occasion for Oh, us. yeah, because, I mean, he's still <laughs> Xander Harris. Um, okay. I need you to remind me what the smash cut is here. Um, cause it's the one to spike and it uh, was, so, so, um, so Buffy is like, she doesn't really know what to do about getting a present for Tara. So that's when, uh, Xander says like, oh, you need to just go work it out, work out your feelings. Like just go and hit something. Cut to Buffy and Spike fighting. Yeah. Uh, however, eagle eyed viewers may notice that Spike isn't getting hurt when he's hitting Buffy cause he's given as good as he's taken. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out that that's because this is a horny, horny dream of Spike's. Because then we get our smash cut to him orgasming into harmony. I, ugh. Um, I mean, good for them. <laughs> uh, well, and it's this, the the cut is, first of all, the fight choreography here is awesome. It's just, pretty just, good. Just taken on its own out of context of what it is. Just, it's a great scene. Um... <laughs> Then, yeah, we get this, like, come here, Slayer. And she's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. Cut to Harmony coming. Um, I thought it was Spike who came. I mean, they both did. Yeah. Harmony seemed... Good for them. Harmony <laughs> seemed satisfied. Yeah. Um, Angelica Skyler's, like, leaving the room because she is satisfied. <laughs> I love... Um, I love... I always forget, like, how long Harmony sticks around. I know. Um, because, like, for some reason, a part of me just seemed to think that she was just in season four as a vampire before she goes off to different things. I won't say what, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but no, like, when, um, when she's in the season five, uh, not the premiere, but the second episode and has her minions and everything. Yeah. It's it's so good. Well, I had forgotten she was in this episode. So when we're watching it and I saw Mercedes McNabb pop up on our screen, I was like, oh, yay! I don't remember what the, the context of her By is. By the way, um, you all may notice another familiar name popping up in these credits. Yeah. 
Um, Future Oscar nominee, Amy Adams. Oh my gosh, cousin bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, it's at this point when um, Tara and Willow come back into the magic shop. And uh, it's really really adorable because... um, when like Tara's just been explaining her joke to Willow, and Willow thinks that it's hilarious. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you gotta love when your partner gets your humor when nobody else does. Yeah, listen, as someone who has a partner whose humor is not always gotten. <laughs> yes, I um, mean I feel like both of you could fit into that fair. category. I mean that's totally fair. Um, before they walk in, though, we do have some rando, like poking through the books and being like, hi, are these books magic books? Very much a mouth breather in the highest regard. And then when he sees Tara, they're like, she's like, yikes. Because this is her brother, Donnie. Donnie. Which is like, God, if there's... Apologies to people named Donnie, but this (laughs) guy is such a Donnie. Um... Yeah, this is her brother, and uh, shortly after, her father, Mr. McClay. Who is definitely played by a guy who is not William H. Macy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, maybe a discount store William H. Macy. Um, And And Cousin cousin Beth, Beth. played by Amy Adams. So I do want to say, Mr. McClay, terrible, terrible guy. And I thought this actor really did a fantastic job. Uh, bringing this horrible, horrible man to life. Um, all, all three of them are just awful. And in, <laughs> in, like, different ways. Like, Beth is a female misogynist. Um, her father is, like, very manipulative. And then her brother literally threatens to beat her at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're all coming at her in different different forms of abuse um and then there's you know this silent acknowledgement that beth is also probably being treated the same way um but she's she is subservient in a way that tara will not be Mm -hmm. which is okay now i'm gonna retract my my cousin bitch statement because hurt people hurt people and cycles of abuse and trauma and she all very that. much reminds me of a uh, nikki from from uh big love oh nikki i thought you said mickey for no, a second. I, nikki. Like, I, I, I know i know you did i just i misheard you Chloe but, Savigny. uh yeah yeah you're exactly right and it takes nikki a long time to break out of that cycle mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah that's totally amy adams so yeah. Uh, uh yeah you're uh you're like star of Man of Steel, and um, all the all those all the Zack Snyder movies featuring Superman, um, star of Arrival, mm-hmm. star of The Fighter, mm-hmm. uh, star of um, Enchanted, Enchanted, yeah, um, Junebug, um, um, uh, what oh, crap? What the sun? Is she in Sunshine Cleaning? She is in Sunshine. Yeah. Her and Emily Blunt. That's I right. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Off, just off the top of your head, like don't even think about it. Favorite Amy Adams performance? Performance? Oh man. Uh, um, I 
I gotta go with Arrival. I'm I, Arrival. It's Arrival for yeah. me too. Um, I was so close to seeing The Master, but I've actually not seen The Master, okay. so um, but, um, but I've heard she's wonderful in it. Yeah, uh, she's a little bit eclipsed in that movie by the absolutely fantastic Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Uh, R.I.P. Um, also, Doubt. Um, yeah, but and props to her because she was in a movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman and. Meryl Streep mm-hmm. and Viola Davis. Well, and I mean, let's be real. Viola Davis has one scene and walks away with that movie. <laughs> um, but yes, Amy Adams, incredibly talented actor. This is, I actually have her her filmography pulled up here. Um, at this point, the films she had done were, uh, she has a minor role in Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is very funny. Uh, she was in Psycho Beach Party. Just, just heads up, um... There's uh, one story thread in Drop Dead Gorgeous that is not great yes. in today's optics. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, I recommend it because it is really funny, but there is a very Just problematic storyline in yeah. it. Just recognize it's a movie made in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, is Psycho Beach Party, is that the one that she's in with uh, with um, guy who plays Xander? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Nicholas Brendan. Nicholas Brendan, yeah. And uh, Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under mm-hmm. is also in it. Uh, and another Buffy connection. Uh, that same year that she did uh, this role, uh, Cousin Beth, she was in the direct-to-video sequel, Cruel Intentions 2, <laughs> which is actually a prequel, I should say, where she plays... Uh, Catherine, which is Sarah Michelle Gellar's role in the original. So, God, Cruel Intentions. That movie's so fucking horny. It's so horny. <laughs> um, she had also been in, at this point, uh, all in the same year, um, an episode of That 70s Show, an episode of Charmed, an episode of a show called Zoe Duncan, Jack and Jane, which I've never fucking heard of, an episode of a show called Providence. Next In the next year, she will be in an episode of Smallville. Uh-huh. And yeah, and then it'll be it'll be two thousand five where she'll get really really noticed for Junebug, and then in two thousand seven, Enchanted comes out, and then mm-hmm. and, and and it's like, and then her filmography goes from this to this. <laughs> um, and uh, I do believe that um, this year we're getting our sequel to Enchanted. We are. <laughs> My little gay heart. Because guess who else is... So all the original cast is coming back, but also Maya Rudolph, Jama Mays, and Yvette Nicole Brown have roles in it. Awesome. Like, well, I say all the original cast. Sorry, Susan Sarandon, you exploded at the end. You're not going to be in the film. <laughs> um, but, anyway. Yeah, you know what? If you wanted to make a day out of it, just like do a triple feature of uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Enchanted, and Arrival. <laughs> Whoa. What an emotional journey you go on. <laughs> But also, all right, we, I been, don't hate it. We, anyway, we've been gushing about Amy yeah. Adams for like probably five solid minutes now. Tara so. is not happy that yeah. her family is here. <laughs> She's her stutter comes back. We've not heard her stutter in a while, um, but it comes back with a fucking vengeance. And um, they, her father, basically bullies her into having dinner with them mm-hmm. that that evening. All right. Let's talk about how sh- well. Let's talk about Dawn first, then how shitty Riley is. Buffy comes home. 
Riley's there. Um, yeah, for a minute I was a little worried. I was like, and I started to think like, God, why is he there? Is he living there? And then I thought, wait a minute, where is he living? I had to say, because when you asked, does he live there? I was like, no, he lives it. <laughs> where does he live? Um, well, I guess Buffy did go in out of my mind to his like room at the frat house. To Ah, uh, fair enough. So I guess he still has that room. Mm-hmm. But he's just spending way too much time at Joyce's house. <laughs> well, I mean... The only thing he's really got going for him right now is Buffy, so... Mm-hmm. Um, so Dawn comes in with her little little purse. <laughs> her little... Her jacket tied around her waist. Um, and her, uh... And her, uh... Her top that looks like it's a, an advertisement for Juicy Fruit. <laughs> and she's, like, walking in, and she's, like, about to walk out the door, and Buffy's like, where the fuck do you think you're going? <laughs> she's like, I'm going to have dinner with Miranda or whatever her friend's name was. Yeah. And Buffy's like, no, it's too dangerous. And she's like, she lives across the street. <laughs> and yeah, Buffy's like, Buffy tells her she doesn't like Miranda. I'm just calling her Miranda now. Because Miranda's a bad influence because she's too short. <laughs> Michelle, Which Tra- is funny when the Beast is talking early. I believe it, it I believe it's earlier or later when she mentions She's describing Buffy and says that that she's blonde and short. Yep. They're like, oh, she's been talking with Miranda. <laughs> Michelle Trachtenberg plays this beautifully. Just the stone face. Like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> um, and she storms off. You know, <laughs> god damn, I love these interactions <laughs> with that. Oh my like, god. god, I hate you, Buffy. <laughs> um, we're, we're gonna get one facial reaction that, in my opinion, rivals this one later in the episode. <laughs> but when Don storms off, and Riley, Riley, I do think is, I do think this is reasonable. Where he asks, like, "Hey, what's going on?" Because the way you're at, you've been acting around Don is weird, and you know I'm kind of concerned and. I think Buffy's response to it is pretty reasonable. She's just like, basically, she's just like, I have to protect her. It's my business. Please don't push anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not, I'm not upset with Riley for asking the question. Yeah, I'm upset that when Maybe Buffy says don't push anymore, he makes her feel guilty about it. Oh, he treats her. Yeah, he's just like, why don't you let me in? Why do you fucking hate me? And and, and so, in all honesty. This is a very, this is an uncomfortable situation for anybody who has been, who finds themselves on the outside of their partner's family drama. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, if you care for your partner, you want to be there for them and help them out. And um, especially like with family stuff, that can be so personal because obviously, Family stuff has been in their lives longer than you, the partner, you, their partner. And, uh, I mean, you think that like, oh, I can be an outside, I can be an outside voice. I can like kind of give you a perspective, but at the same time, it's, it's such a tough thing to, to like know whether it's good to go into or not. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. This is where Riley's, uh, Failing at communication mm-hmm. with Buffy. Because he treats her reticence 
to talk to him about it as like a personal attack on him. And uh, in his, uh, and listen, I'll just say, as someone who's married and been in a relationship for a long time, it's really easy to fall into that trap sometimes. Um, so, and you know, like Riley's been sucking and communicating for a while ever since he told Xander that yeah. like he knows that Buffy doesn't love him. And yet he's still kind of hanging around. So. Yeah, he's not talk. He's not telling Buffy how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. He's just lashing. He's lashing out when Buffy t- tells her what she needs. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying like a more mature response from Riley would have been, um, there are a couple things he could have said. He could have said uh, probably the best thing he could have said and should have said is, "Okay, I understand." I want you to know that I'm here for you. And whenever you're ready to talk to me about what it is, I'm ready to listen. And uh, I would add on to that, just be like, but just so you know, I am a little worried. Yeah. 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 Show your concern, but also show like your ability to give them space. Exactly. Yes. I recognize what your boundaries are. And when you are ready to lift those boundaries, I am ready to receive, receive that. And you know, if he wants to tell her, I don't think right now is the moment, but I do think later on when, maybe the dust has settled a bit he can say hey i'm feeling kind of hurt by i i'm feeling left out of things i'm feeling like we're disconnected um and they can have a discussion about it it doesn't mean that buffy has to share anything with him that she doesn't want to but they can at least be honest with each other about how they're feeling yeah um so but no, he storms out of the house after being I mean, a complete asshole. This is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so if that if that conversation's ever gonna happen, you're gonna need like a house full of zombies. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't yell at Riley for being bad at communication when he is surrounded by the kings and queens of bad at communication. Um. Tara goes back to her dorm room where she finds her father looking at her dildo. I'm sorry, I mean her crystal. Um, and this is just yet another one of those, like, he's like, oh, when... Speaking of know, not knowing boundaries, right? like, the door was unlocked, so, and I got here early, so Uh-oh. clearly that means I can walk in and look at all your shit. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like, oh, we thought you would have grown out of all this magic stuff. Um... But, um, yeah, basically he's, he's like, you're, you know, he, we don't get, like, we don't learn what it is right now, but there's hints where he's saying, like, they're going to find out about you. It's almost your birthday. Uh, they're going to find out that you're evil, um, basically. And, um, he basically tells her, you're coming with us. We're leaving in the morning. I'll give you time to pack and say your goodbyes. Yeah, fuck this guy. Excuse me while I go try to audition for Shameless but lose out on the lead role. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I pulled up that actor's uh, page. Uh, I didn't look up the actor, like, in general. I just put, clicked on his page on the Buffy wiki and mm-hmm. it just said, like, under trivia for him because there wasn't much because he's not, like, a major player on the show, obviously. But it's just, like, he plays a lot of... Um, um, military and police officer roles. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, yes. Um, and Willow comes in. They're having a Scooby meeting to talk more about the Beast. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
she invites Tara along and Tara's like, no, I'm, they don't, first she says like, they don't need me. And she's like, I'm tired. And Willow's like, well, we can try that demon locator spell that they tried back in, God, what episode was that? I don't know, man. That's, that's your territory. Ah, fuck. Uh, I'm just the looks. Whichever one that Tara sabotaged, (laughs) um, which, uh. We get our explanation of why she sabotaged it in this mm-hmm. episode, and I appreciate um, I appreciate the show's patience with that, because um, it was towards the end of last season, and we're about a quarter of the way through this season already. So, um, yeah, good job, show. Um, but yeah, but then uh, she says, you know, not everything's about about you guys, and uh, which fair. <laughs> yeah but yeah i think willow's a little hurt by that too oh yeah and tara realizes it because she apologizes mm-hmm. like immediately uh, because tara's so good mm-hmm. um because this is like the most aggressive we've ever seen tara get um and I, i'm proud of her for defending herself like uh because Will, uh, willow's pushing a little harder than i think she should be in the moment like riley was um the the difference is Willow recognizes when she's crossed the boundary and they're able to smooth things over between the two of them quickly. But then we go to the magic shop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don's along for the ride. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Buffy's kind of of the mind of like, I'm not letting you leave my sight. <laughs> yeah. Where I go, where, where I go, so goes Dawn. Um, and can I buy this? No, with my own money. <laughs> Come sit down. You're, I brought you here. Now sit down and look studious. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they're receiving some sort of uh, exposition, um, which we don't really hear because yeah, Giles has found out a little bit about the monk. Uh, yeah. who's going to be in that spinoff. Oh, R.I.P. Monk. <laughs> a, a bunch of our spinoff characters either appear or get mentioned. The Monk and Miss Fitty, Kitty Fantastico. Miss the, Fitty Cantastico. Miss Fitty Cantastico <laughs> for the good spinoff. And Hank for the bad spinoff. And honestly, how about Cousin Beth, too? Oh. Or Donnie. See, okay, here's... I'm Maybe sending... Cousin Beth can be in the good spinoff? Where she gets, like, an arc? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. I'm into that. I mean, I'm really into that. Uh, her, the monk, and Miss Kitty Fantastico solving crimes while she learns how to process uh, and move on from the trauma of her abusive family. Mm-hmm. Um, Donnie goes to the bad spinoff where he's worthless. <laughs> um, Just like in this episode. Honestly... Because are you really going to remember Donnie in this episode? He doesn't even get a guest starring credit. <laughs> Amy Adams and the actor playing Mr. McClay are guest starring. Uh, this actor is co-starring at the end credits. <laughs> and honestly, the character's fucking redundant. He and Beth uh, play similar roles, but... Three people look more menacing than two. Yeah, it's... I Yeah, I see why they wanted three, but of the three of them, Donnie really doesn't have it. Like, the scenes between... The scene between um, Beth and Tara is really memorable. Um, and, and well done by both performers. The scene between Mr. McClay and Tara is really memorable and well performed 
between both performers. Donnie and Tara don't even really get a scene other than yeah, Donnie has they the meet. scene with um with Buffy, uh, Giles and Xander. Right. So yeah, it just I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what this episode. You know what? Yes, that's what this episode is missing. Cut the fucking scene with Riley and Willie's. Cut that entirely. And have some sort of scene between Tara and Donnie. I think that would have... I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't think it's necessary. I feel like you got what you need out of her scenes with... Have her scenes with her dad and with Cousin Beth. I guess. But I... I don't know. I just maybe maybe you can find an, another layer of these dynamics. I mean, maybe, and make but, this character not feel yeah, just so extra. Fair enough, but it did. I don't think it's essential. Yeah. Tara's there though. She's back in the training room, and uh, she casts a spell on the gang. Tara, oh sweet good Tara, this was not a good idea, <laughs> but. Uh, hey, you know, everyone else has had four years to make mistakes and be forgiven for them. Yeah. Give Tara a little leeway. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the unspoken thing later. What Willow says, she speaks, like, oh, so she did a spell that went wrong. And the unspoken thing is, like me all the time. <laughs> like Xander that one time. <laughs> like, you know. Um... So, uh, but yes, she casts a spell to prevent the gang from seeing uh, the demon in her. Unfortunately, this has a bit of a side effect, as most spells do. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Riley and Willie's, Riley is at Willie's. You know who's not at Willie's? Willie. The Willie. <laughs> I'm, I'm furious about this. Actually, like actually mad. I'm sure. I'm sure he was busy with Becker. I was gonna say. I know he had like a regular a regular gig, and he's Bob. Um, so uh, he's drinking. He's being all bitter. And this woman named Sandy, very beautiful woman named Sandy. Oh yes. Um, walks sits next to him, and she's like. What brings you to but let's just a guy say like her, you to a place like this? Let's just say her beauty is of the eternal kind. Mm. Um, I was a little impressed with Xander, like, sussing her, or not Xander, Riley, Riley sussing her out immediately, because she's like, why don't we go somewhere else? And he's like, I don't go places with vampires. <laughs> and she, this is my maybe rivaling Dawn's look, the look of pure contempt that this actress gave in this bit part <laughs> was beautiful. It yeah. was like Fuck immediately you, like dude. turns back to her drink like god damn it's it like stab, <laughs> stabbing the lime with her with her uh straw <laughs> it's great um back at uh the laro spike harmony walks in with uh the glitteriest purse oh my god that's ever glittered <laughs> uh she's got a glittery yeah. scarf on too no I thought she did two for a second. Her scarf is... Here's the thing. I thought she was wearing two scarves. Okay. She had one scarf on one side that was like like a kind of a yellow-ish. And then what I thought was another glittery scarf that she was wearing. So I was like, whoa, that's real extra harmony. Is actually the, the strap okay. of the purse. Gotcha. But the way it's like... The way it's shot and she's angled and then like the strap's kind of thick. It did look like... 
a second and scarf. Like, and that's like cross the body holding that bag. And yeah. I, I feel like you don't see that that often. I feel that when you see women with purses, normally they've got like the the strap, the shoulder strap on the same side as the bag. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on the kind of purse. I guess there's, well, I guess it's more of a bag if you're, yeah. anyway. Um, a satchel. She's like, I got all these things. They were on sale. And Spike's like, you paid for these? She's like, no, I killed the clerk. But a bargain's a bargain. Mm-hmm. Gotta love her priorities. Yep. <laughs> um, but she's like, oh, and I ran into so-and-so, <laughs> like, on the way you know, back. Who sired this guy. <laughs> what? Um, she's, that is vampires spilling tea right there. <laughs> so fun. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, so apparently some big to-do sent a gang of Laoc demons after the Slayer to kill her. And Spike's like, oh, I want to see that. And she's like, and he's like leaving, and she's like, if they succeed, we should send them like a fruit basket or something. <laughs> I love Harmony because her her hatred of the Slayer seems more obligatory than anything else. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, like at the beginning of the season when she's trying to kill Buffy with her minions, it just seems like she's doing it because it's something it's that she has to do. Yeah. yeah, I gotta be the best. Oh my god, Harmony, you could just live your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cousin Beth finds Tara, uh, and I want to. She basically is like, you know, you should say bye to your friends, you know, blah blah blah, and then we'll leave in the morning. And Tara's like. Oh, I'm not leaving. And Tara goes, "You selfish bitch." No, uh, cousin Beth. Cousin Beth says, "Oh my god, could you imagine, <laughs> Tara? You have to come with us, cousin Beth. You selfish bitch. <laughs> I can't imagine it." Yeah, um, and like up to this point, like cousin Beth had been very timid, almost to the point of resembling Tara, mm-hmm. and then just like drops it and you selfish bitch. So. Yeah. My gay agenda is Cousin Beth calling Tara a selfish bitch. All right, that is a bit of a head scratcher. Because you're straight. <laughs> so, I was cute to this. Wow. <laughs> what, way to, like, throw that in my face as an insult. Um, I, I didn't realize this was going to be my gay agenda until I was cued to it by one of our listeners, uh, Matt, on Twitter. Um, and Matt's reached out before, um, uh, he's, a he's an active listener, so hi Matt. Um, but he was very, very excited for us to be getting to this episode, um, cause, uh, he really loves this episode. But he also made a comment, he was like, um, you know that meme where it's, um, I can't remember the director's name, but he's like, that to me is cinema. Um. Probably Scorsese. No, it's, um. It's the guy who directed uh, Parasite and Snowpiercer. Oh, Boon Jong Hoon. Yes, thank you. Um, he's like that's he's saying that to me is cinema. And uh, uh, our listener Matt posted this thing. It was like Amy Adams calling Tara a bitch, and then that <laughs> to me is cinema. But it and it's not it's not cousin Beth. It's Amy Adams in this like minor role. I don't know. These are just the things that the queers love. Like it's we love female characters especially if they're bitches like and and we especially love when um someone and this is less so now i think uh amy adams did a really good job of uh 
getting herself out of that initial Giselle typecasting. Um, but she still, still does have that kind of, people consider her sweet and nice. So seeing her here just be like, you selfish bitch. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to explain it to a straight and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but <Whatever>. I, <laughs> but I, 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 I think there's a lot of gays out there who are like, yeah, yeah, no, we get it. And we, um, and there's, there's definitely some, there's probably someone out there with some, uh, who's smarter than me on queer theory who can be like, well, it's because of these things and like, and your mothers and how you react to them. Um, but the gay agenda this week, Amy Adams calling Tara a bitch. Uh, thank you to our listener, Matt, for, for cueing it to me because, um, uh, you know, runners up, all the other like subtextual <laughs> lesbian and Ben turn. So, uh, it, uh, one thing that I wanted to say while we were watching this, but I kind of kept it to myself cause I wanted to save it for the actual podcast was, um, when she says like, Oh, your dad and Donnie, they just, they just had to like, they've had to take care of themselves and like, you haven't been there. And I just was like, excuse me, they are two grown men. They should be able to take care of their own goddamn selves. Yeah, but that's right. That's it though. That's that. It's the misogyny. It's the, yeah. it's, and for Beth, it's the internalized misogyny. Mm-hmm. Like it's also, you know, what happened to Tara's mom? Can't talk about it. All right, that does that does get revealed later. It is addressed. All right, gotcha. Um, and and on that note, though, I do want to when we get to it a little bit. I remind me to talk about how this family curse makes no goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also part of me wonders like if that's a intentional. Money curse. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, oh, Beth also figures out that. Uh, because Tara has no poker face, um, that she placed a curse on her friends. Mm -hmm. And Beth literally says, I'm telling. Um, which... God, Dawn. (laughs) Right? Like, literally, like, the last time we heard someone say, I'm telling, was Dawn. Um, but yeah, she's like, you better tell your friends, or, because I'm telling your father, and he will, and then we'll force you to come home. So, at the Magic Box, uh, Buffy's uh, training in the back while everyone else is doing their thing. There's and, a knock on the door. Uh, yeah, there's a knock on the door. Willow opens it, and she thinks it's Tara. Which, And it's such a cute moment where she's like, Tara? And it's not. And it's done so well because she opens the door to these three demons. And then it cuts to her perspective of what's going on where she can't see anything. And it's... And then she just closes the door. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's really good. It, it, it's 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 really funny because it it's just like a you open the door you see something through and like nope <laughs> <laughs> is probably the um one of the best door opening scenes in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. However, we do not see the best door opening yeah. scene until season six. Yeah, I was gonna say this is this is second place. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like guys, I cannot wait till we get to that oh episode. <laughs> Um, so the demons, uh, come in, uh, and they, they realize pretty quickly that no one can see them, which is, it's kind of funny because they're like, what the, (laughs) because they're, it's, I I love the way that they, they, it's really subtle, but there is this like kind of beat where all three of them are like, this is weird. Um, but I I do love how like one of them gets like right up behind Dawn. It's like, do do you? 
do you see me? Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I love so much is the second they go into the back where Buffy is, Buffy can't see them. And they don't really make any noise, but she knows something is there. Her slayer sense. Slayer. <laughs> Almost said spider sense, but like her slayer sense. Yeah, but we are just seeing, this has been a theme this whole season, is her training and growing. And we're seeing that exponentially. Um, but yeah, she, they attack. Um, and the gang does, I think, they, they a attack, good job. So they attack Buffy first. Buffy's obviously freaking out because she can't see them. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, oh, there's something in here. And um, Xander's the first one who kind of runs. And he, like, actually props to, um, if this is Nicholas Brendan um, doing this, props to him because it looks really good. Could be his twin, though. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, like, uh, he rushes to the entrance to the training room. And uh, one of the demons is standing in the doorway. And the way that, like, that struggle is, it very much feels like, mm-hmm. oh, he can't see that demon. Yeah. Like, that, that was very good, um, just how that was directed. And the editing is really good, too, because we're going back and forth between being able to see the demons and then from the characters' perspectives of not being able to. Um, and it creates a really good sense of continuity for this fight scene mm-hmm. um and i'm proud of the gang i think they handled this pretty well considering and spike um, does show up spike, uh, so it's so funny when spike shows up i was like okay that's right spike comes in and he's able to warn buffy and kind of like and then i was like and then i remembered i was like oh no she can't see him either yeah because <laughs> and, and at first he's gonna, who does that and later. at first he's going to like stand there and smile but then as soon as he sees Buffy starting to kind of lose the advantage, then that's when he's just like, Ugh, I'm going to help her. It's the thing, because he loses his plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. He's there because he's like, oh, yeah, I want to see her die because he he knows she'll win. Yeah. Um. So he, he can he can play it up. But yeah, spike, 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 spike. You need to go see Deanna Troy, spike. <laughs> um. Tara, uh, Tara runs in. She, uh, she warns Buffy where the demon is and, uh, Buffy, Buffy clocks that immediately. She's like, you can see them. Um, Tara undoes the spell. Um, they kill the Layak demons pretty quickly from Mm -hmm. there. Um, but my favorite is as Tara's family comes in, Buffy pulls a fucking Judy Greer in Halloween Kills and curb stomps the last demon. That's what you're going to go with? and it, not, You're not going to go with, like, American History X or something like um, that? No. It's, like, the most famous curb stomp no. I've seen. So, two reasons. One, Halloween Kills is just, like, the most fresh one in my mind. Fair enough. Also, the one in, ha- in American History X is so, so upsetting. I didn't... I don't like thinking about okay, it. Okay, fair enough. Um, that was a damn good movie, though. Oh, it's a fucking great movie. And it's also Probably one of the Edward most Nor- upsetting movies I've ever Edward seen. Edward Norton's best performance. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree. Um, and this is kind of where everything comes out. Tara, Tara's father explains that all the women in the family um, are part demon. And they turn evil when they turn 20. And... Um, Arbitrary age. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is weird that it's 20. Not like... 
18 or 21, but I guess those are also arbitrary those are ages. Those arbitrary ages, too. So, at least 20 is, like, a nice even age, <laughs> divisible by 10. Um, so, Willow's pretty hurt that Tara kept this from her. Buffy's like, you could have gotten us all killed. And Tara's so upset. And there is, like, an emphasis. She does look at Dawn. Yeah. Before saying that. Yeah. And I actually would... I, I'd be really interested to hear from anyone... I don't really remember what I thought when I first watched this. Um, So anyone who's either watching for the first time now and is like completely unspoiled or remembers their first time watching or when it aired, because it does feel like this episode is leading to writing Tara off in some way. Um, Obviously, we know that's not the case. But I, I, I do wonder if there was tension in the audience that Tara was going to go back with her family at the hmm. end of the episode. Um, maybe there wasn't. Maybe they all realized that that would have been a horribly, deeply unsatisfying ending yeah. for this character. Um, but... Uh, I think I can remember back to my first time watching this, and I didn't know how long Tara was going to be on the show. And I don't remember ever feeling that way that like oh Tara's that this was it okay yeah all right cool um I think because I just thought like they wouldn't do that yeah (laughs) wouldn't do her dirty like that yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't send her to live with her horrible abusive family because she made one mistake yeah they're not gonna do like a reverse Harry Potter like (laughs) send her away from the magic to live with the shitty family yeah (laughs) um so So, yeah, let's talk about now, though. This curse makes no sense. (laughs) All the women in our family, okay, except for Tara's mother was apparently, so is there a lot of inbreeding going on here? Is it all the women in uh, Tara's mother's family? Or is it the McClays? Or is it just, or is it just in the community? Is it just this thing? I mean... I think maybe that's on purpose, that when you really examine this lie, it falls apart immediately, mm-hmm. because it is a fucking lie. Yeah. I mean, it is just to... Um, it's a way to keep women in line. Yeah. Um, I, so I Spike thinks that he really, <laughs> he really likes, likes Tara's dad. I love that it's Anya who picks up on it first. They're like, what kind of demon? Yeah. They're like, what does that matter? Like, Well, I mean, they're... There's some demons that are bad and some demons that become contributing members of society. And then she beams at Xander and Xander <laughs> beams back at her. Yeah, and that, it's that, so cute. Yeah, I love that. Um, so before, actually before that, we, we went a little out of order, but it's okay because I love that moment. But uh, Buffy does say, and we, we've already seen Buffy kind of harden at Tara in this moment. But she says, sure, you can take her. And then she's like, but you have to go through me. And then Dawn is like, and me. And, and they both cross their arms. And it's such a great moment because you're like, you know, even if Dawn is this mystical key or whatever, she's a Summers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a great... I've never... I've always been so focused on the Tara side of this episode that I've never really paid as much attention as I did with this watch to the Buffy Dawn stuff. Mm-hmm. But it all connects really well in this theme yeah, of I think family. that was like... Yeah, and I think that scene, that shot of them, like, and then Giles right behind mm-hmm. them, like, uh, Buffy's dad right behind them, uh, like, I think at that moment is probably the first moment when they really, truly looked like sisters. Yes. Yeah. I loved it. 
Um, and this whole, Tara's beaming. She's so happy. Like, uh, Donnie threatens to literally beat her down if she doesn't come with them. And Xander's like, uh, you're going to get real hurt trying, buddy. Xander! Yeah. Good job, Xander. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he's, they're basically, uh, he's like, you Mr. know. Mr. McClace is like, oh, we're her blood. Yeah. Like, what gives you the right? And, of course, that's when Buffy says, like, we're, we're her family. family. Um, Sanders like, no one here is going to let you take Tara away. And Spike's like, except me. <laughs> and Sanders <laughs> I don't like, really care. Yeah, Sanders <laughs> like, except Spike. But then but, Spike is the one who kind of, like, puts the bow on this whole thing, walks up and just clocks Tara in the face. Uh, it's, it's a gentle punch, uh, but it still hurts. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Any sort of violence against a human sets off his chip. Mm-hmm. And according to Harmony, unreliable narrator, narrator that she is, he can't even pick flowers. Um, <laughs> he could have come up to her and said, hey, you know how if I do violence on a human sets my chip off? Hold out your hand. I'm going to slap it. But that's not Spike's style. Oh, no. He, he comes and just punches <laughs> her right in the nose. His chip goes off, and uh, Willow goes, hey! Hey! <laughs> um, and, yeah, Spike's chip goes off. Tara is not a demon. Her family just fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, and, and then it's the the cherry on top of all of this everyone has stood up to her tara's family at this point except for tara um and he's like mr mcclay's like you're coming with us blah 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 and she just is like nope nope and um it's really really important and i'm gonna use um an example of something i wrote in my own life which you are familiar with. You've read several versions of it. and uh, But it's my uh, screenplay notes, um, which involves um, a major part of the story is um, uh, a young man who has an abusive father. And in the original draft, he dies by suicide, which I found very, very unsatisfying. And one of the many reasons that I changed that was that he never actually gets a chance to stand up to his father his arc is sad and dies and in the current version which i think is far superior than the original version which is how drafts are supposed to work um he does not die um and he does get a scene at the end where he very similar to what tara does here is able to basically just go you're not my problem like you're not you're not my family. Um, so I think it's really important in these types of narratives to make sure, like, yes, it's so awesome that all of the Scoobies stand up for Tara in this moment. It's beautiful. Um, even Spike in his own way. Um, but it's most important, what's most important about that is that that support gives Tara confidence she needs to stand up for herself and then they leave and beth is like tries to get in like a parting blow and she's like i hope you're happy 
And she smiles, the beautiful Amber Benson smile. And you know who's conspicuously absent? Or not so conspicuously absent? Riley. Yeah. Spike (laughs) is in this scene. And Riley is not. Riley does show up later, though. Mm. Um, But yeah, (laughs) then we we get our uh, cut to the pate. Pate. Yeah. Looks like a fun party. Yeah, it does. Even though... um, even though Xander's wearing something that makes him look like a 1970s adult film producer. <laughs> Are you okay? Yep. I just chose the wrong time to drink. <laughs> um. But yeah, then we get like the, it, it's, then we get the fun, like we talked about the gift giving scene, yeah. how um, like, uh, like Giles gives her the crystal ball and then Don gives her the broom, which is so funny and so cute. And then we get, uh, yeah, it's really good because we, we started with Tara and Willow, but that seems to be the only Tara and Willow bit that we got in this fairly important Tara episode yeah. until now, because now we get a scene of just Tara and Willow on the dance floor and um, it's it's so good. Um, they 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 tell each other how much they care for each other, and they're dancing, and they start floating on the ground. Um, and the song that's playing is um, it's a song by Melanie Doan, who I'm not familiar with. It's called "I Can't Keep My Eyes Off of You," and it's lovely. So. Um, here's what I wanted to mention earlier, but, uh, wanted to save it till the end of the episode. Uh, as Harrison has said before, I am a straight. <laughs> so we're Yuck. about to, we're about to get like a, a glimpse into the hetero perspective. Cause I know how great, much, I know how much people <laughs> love that. Oh, that's um, just what we needed. <laughs> this is, I think this is an important thing to say. Yeah. Um, so as a hetero person that grew up in the nineties and the two thousands, I feel like I can, I feel like I've got like a little bit of a, a little bit of experience in that mindset. Um, obviously, so many people talk about how Buffy was groundbreaking, uh, especially with um, this lesbian relationship. Um, I think one reason why it's so groundbreaking is from the straight perspective, and this is probably still true to today, um... So many straight people that find uh, queer people off-putting or they say abomination or anything like that is because there's this hetero fixation on... Ooh, hetero fixation. That's like... That's like the name of... That sounds like a really awesome band name, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what my cover band is of it yet, but... um, But no, there's this hetero fixation on the fact that, like, queer people... What makes them queer is what they do in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so people associate like, oh, like uh, when you talk about gay people, you're talking about gay sex. Um, and uh, that, I can tell you from experience that that seemed to be like a big thing in definitely the 90s and the 2000s and probably before then. It's just like, it's just the act of sex, like sexual intercourse, that became in the hetero mind the sole identifier of somebody being queer, mm-hmm. which is not fair. 
Um, and the reason that I love this scene, that I love Tara and Willow's relationship, is yes, there's obviously implied some subtext and some actual text of them having a sexual relationship. But this shows off just the beauty of queer relationships mm -hmm. because they're not just about sex. They're about love. And it's love that isn't so dissimilar to what hetero people think of when they think of healthy relationships. And it's just a little... I like that that is shown, like, because you've got, like, the cutesy stuff at the beginning, but then you've got this, like, beautiful stuff at the end. And it's like, there's more to... And I feel like this is an important message to hetero people out there. There's more... There's more to being queer, being gay, being lesbian, being anything that um than just what it is you do in the bedroom it's like it's an identity it's yeah. who you are and well and there's a big problem that with queer people in media are frequently you know it's getting better um but queer people in media are frequently treated as either uh over sexed or under sexed Queer characters are either all about, you know, all we do is we're going to fuck. Um, and that's all our character is. And that's usually when, uh, that's usually if the character is a joke. Um, and then there's when it's trying to take it more seriously where characters are under sex. It's like, do not imply that they have sex ever because that tarnishes it or something. It's... Um, it's, um, it, it's a big prop. And, and, and I think Buffy does a good job for the most part. Buffy is not perfect on its queer representation by yeah. far, but, uh, it does a good job largely of, uh, making all of its relationships feel, um, that way where they don't feel under or over sexualized, um, except for occasionally with Buffy but like I feel like we're at least at this point um I mean Anya likes to talk a lot about how much they have sex but we don't get like sex scenes between Anya and Xander mm -hmm. really um it's it's all it feels very equal uh with the obvious exception of fucking where the wild things are oh, but God. but um but it's Ugh, sexualization with queer relationships in media is such a it's such a tricky thing to talk about because yeah it's like uh did you see call me by your name i did okay so i've made this comment before i consider call me by your name to be a movie for straight people um and i have a lot of reasons why i think that that i'm not gonna go into here because we'll be here another hour <laughs> but i am very very upset by the two sex scenes in that movie. Um, there's the one sex scene where Timothy Chalamet has sex with a woman. And it's tits out, like, graphic sex scene. Graphic, quote unquote. Um, graphic for a rated R movie. Yeah. And then this, like, you're seeing the sex on screen. And then there's the sex scene between... Uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer where they get a tasteful fade away and it's 
It's ridiculous because the entire it, the entire point of the movie was this kid discovering his queerness. Yes, and it's it, it made me so mad. Like in the theater, I got like viscerally angry, and then later I was seeing a direct like someone called him out on it, and the director was like, "Oh well, no, I wanted to respect their relationship," and it's like that. No, that's not what you were doing. You didn't want to film a queer sex scene. You were totally fine with having this random female character who I don't even remember what her name. Well, clearly don't remember what the male's name, male names were either. But having her tits out, Elio. Like, one of them was called Elio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Timothy Chalamet. And the only reason is because of the whole "call me by your name" yeah. thing. So it's. And I have a lot of other problems with that movie. It's a well-made movie, well-acted. It's got many things I did like about it. Uh, That little speech uh, his father gives near the end of the movie is a beautiful piece of art. But those, like, like, straight-gazy versions of queer text where it's like, we're going to show you queerness, but we're not going to show you too much... Because we don't want you to get uncomfortable. So, you know what? Um, now, this might not be accurate, but I remember seeing it on Wikipedia when I was looking up the movie. You know what movie is like the first major studio movie to actually have a somewhat explicit gay sex scene in it? No, but I do know what movie first uses the word gay to mean homosexual. Okay. It's bringing up baby. Okay. Which we talked about last week because I gotcha. just we watched it over Christmas, but no, I don't. It's I, Rocket Man. Wait, re- what were the what were the conditions of this? That's the Elton it, John one, right? Yeah, it's like the first major studio movie. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> no, no. I'm sure there are like indie movies that have done that, but um, let me look it up. Uh, just it. Get out your parting thoughts about the episode while I look this sure. up. Um, I love this episode. I think it's lovely. I think... Um, I love that it really solidifies Tara as a part of the group. She's felt a bit adrift, and I think by design. Um, and this episode really says, like, no, Tara is a member of this family. Um, and it... I just... I, yeah, and, I, and we get... We get to know her more. We get to find out why she sabotaged the demon locator spell. Um, it's not perfect. I was totally zoning out during the Riley stuff. Um, it is important because um, it is setting up some stuff, but I just, God, it's a drag. Um, and yeah, I do think that this really, really, really comes close to being cloying and like over saccharin like it comes so close especially that final shot of them floating um this could have all gone really wrong and could have just been really irritating and i feel like probably if you're a person who doesn't care for tara because inexplicably there are people out there who don't um i I could see why this episode might not work for you but it works for me i all of the emotional beats hit exactly the way I want them to. So this is four cute little open sores on the demon out of five for me. Uh, yeah, I love... This is a great episode. Um, 
yeah, the, the Riley stuff isn't great, but there's also not a lot of it. No, that so that, that helps. There is like a little bit of setting up for what's coming up for Riley in the next couple episodes. But I mean, who really fucking cares? Uh, but because uh, as we've said, the only thing he's really got going on is he's Buffy's boyfriend. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned before how with like the death of the initiative is like kind of the death of all of Riley's storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that his stuff with Buffy isn't even going that great. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's at first I was a little thrown by how we went from Buffy's fight with the beast and like all the revelations of the last episode to this episode, but there is still follow through with Dawn um mostly through Buffy and uh there and also you are able to incorporate Tara into it who as we said hasn't been I feel like hasn't been as present this season yeah uh she wasn't in the last episode at all uh yeah but uh but yeah and while the um while now the whole bad family that hates you for whatever you have going on in your life uh, makes you feel bad about it is kind of becoming a cliche. I'm sure this was uh, not as common of a storyline yeah. as back in the year 2000. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I it's solid, um, and it tells it in a in a different way than even stuff you'd see today. I've I've, I've told Harrison before that uh, I really wish that there would be more queer movies that aren't about coming out. Oh, I yeah. get that that's an essential, like that That has been such an important part of queer lives. But it's been it, told over and over. It, it has. It, it really does feel like every movie I see about a queer storyline is about either somebody coming to terms with their sexuality or somebody like finally coming out about their sexuality. We are more than our trauma. I, I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, can we just have like, you know, a queer love story? Yeah. Like, it, it, like, let's have a queer rom-com. Like that. It's what we deserve. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, overall, I really like this episode. And what did you end up giving it? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll give it a four as well. Four, uh, four witchy brooms <laughs> out of five. I want to make one last comment that I forgot I, I wanted to make, but uh, obviously we talk about this a lot, but Chosen Family. Um, and in particular, Chosen Family is such an important thing for queer people. Um, so it made me think, this episode in particular made me think of the recent... Um, Chucky television series uh, that was aired on Sci-Fi. Um, for listeners who don't, who are not aware, Don Mancini, who created the Chucky franchise, is gay. Um, in the Chucky television series, the protagonist is a gay teen, um, and there, the whole show, especially in the latter half of the season, has a really significant um, theme about chosen family. Uh, that was very powerful and which is funny I'm like I'm talking about something from the Chucky franchise and being like like there were actually some super super powerful moments 
and uh, around that theme of chosen family. And um, I know a lot of in the queer horror spaces online that I'm a part of, it was huge discussion and um, how impactful for it, uh, for all of us um, to see that, especially those of us who are at the age where, we, you know, we didn't have gay teen protagonists when we were teenagers. Um, that was not an option because of what you were saying earlier, Jason, about queerness is tied so intrinsically in the minds of many to sexuality. So if you are portraying a gay teen, then it's inappropriate. You know, we can have the teenagers on the Nano 210 banging all day, but anyway. Um, so yeah, Chosen Family. And check out the Chucky series. It was really good. And um, Did you find out that movie? I did. <laughs> so, uh, so this is an article from The Hollywood Reporter. Okay. And um, it says, Rocket Man Blazes Trail as first major studio film to depict gay male sex. And uh, hmm. I read a um, read an article. I was skimming through an article while Harrison was talking, uh, <laughs> and it said that, like, well, there have been movies that uh, depicted male gay male sex, like uh, Brokeback Mountain or Calling by Your Name. Those were released by smaller indie studios, oh. whereas Rocket Man was made by Paramount. Okay, so that's like one of the big ones. So uh, and it's funny because that article is like it really took till 2019 to have something like this to a broad audience yeah. and that sex scene's not even that impressive i mean it's i love that movie though that, oh yeah I that liked, movie i liked the movie but they made yeah. a, the marketing of that movie made that and you know that's not the movie's fault this is the marketing's fault but they were like it's the most graphic sex scene you'll ever see and it is not <laughs> yeah no i i never thought it was graphic but yeah. i was like it did take me a little bit by surprise just like the fact that it was there yeah um, because, and I, I hate that. I hate this. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody came out. It got all the acclaim, all the accolades, and it was, it was barely gay. It was barely gay. Even though Freddie Mercury is a queer icon, Rocket Man comes out. It has all of the gay shit that... <laughs> all that the, gay shit. All the gay shit that Bohemian Rhapsody... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so used to sending you those memes. Like, of just like the... Of Lisa Simpson holding out her mug for the coffee. And the coffee's just like this rainbow-colored liquid. It says that gay shit. Yep. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's got all the gay shit that they did not have in Bohemian Rhapsody. That they should have had in Bohemian Rhapsody. And Rocket Man gets almost nothing. Gets no acclaim whatsoever. Even though Teron Edgerton actually sang in that movie. Fucking, um, what's his face? The Pete Davidson looking motherfucker. Rami Malek. Rami Malek did not sing at all. Because, I'm, and I get it, you can't replicate Freddie Mercury. But still. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'll ever not be upset about that. About <laughs> how Rocket Man is intrinsically a better movie Rocket Man is just overall a better movie and a more truer movie than Bohemian Rhapsody is, and yet Bohemian Rhapsody is the one that everybody talks about. Yeah, I hate Bohemian Rhapsody. <sighs> but anyway, um, <laughs> ready to take us out? Huh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I got got all that off my chest. <laughs> all right, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next. We'll be back in. We'll be back oh, next week. Yeah, sorry with, to uh, update that. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back next week with Angel season two, episode six. Guys will be guys, and just a heads up, guys. Yeah.
Guys, in both instances in this title, spelled G U I S E. This is a fun episode. Yeah, I'm looking. This is one that was this one of the ones that ended up in our Angel Buffy marathon. Maybe it it, because this one's about Wesley, right? Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Because I was trying to make sure, like, which one is this? Oh wait a minute, it is season two of Angel. Okay. I think it it might have been, and if not, we might have talked about it because. It's fantastic. It's really fun. It's fun. I can't wait to talk about it's it. It's a fun one. Uh, it's a, it's a, we don't get to have as much fun on Angel sometimes. So I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That is spelled C O F F M A N. You have any, uh, po- any uh, blogs? Oh, no. Okay. Not at the moment. <laughs> Check out some of the previous entries in Horror by Harrison. Yeah. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. That's not right. <laughs> if you're really looking for me, you can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 or just on Twitter at plain old Yami J. I didn't quite catch what you did at first because I was like preparing myself for my next line. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. He never spells. Wait a minute. He's spelling my name. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I gotta keep you on your toes. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. Uh, the and is spelled out in all those instances. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let, get, give us that little boost so we can talk to more people about that gay shit. That gay shit. <laughs> Each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we are highlighting Prevent Child Abuse America. The mission of Prevent Child Abuse America is to prevent the abuse and neglect of our nation's children. They envision a world where all children grow up happy, healthy, and prepared to succeed in supportive families and communities. Visit www.preventchildabuse.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Goodbye. Bye-bye.